Boom. Oh, I get a little little voice now on Zoom that says recording in progress. Today is Sunday, June 6, 2021. And you are listening over the sound of cicadas or watching with torches in the background the latest issue of Forward Maryland. From a very noisy location in Columbia, I'm Bill Woodcock. And I'm Jason Booms, reporting from inside where the decibel level is slightly lower. Jason, Jason, I, I, I have to let you know that by August, I am going to be reinstated as the third baseman of the Baltimore Orioles. Oh, congratulations. Things have been put in place legally that will make me the third baseman of the Baltimore Orioles, and I will be so for the foreseeable future. What say you? Well, well I guess my first question is this. Uh, how'd you get the nod over Brooks Robinson? Um, uh, he's 81. <laughs> hmm. Well played. <laughs> I'm not sure I would get the nod over Leo Gomez at this point, <laughs> a.k.a. one of the three stooges who led us to the 83 title. <laughs> oh, God. So we, are, we are back this evening after a, after a slight hiramatus and, and uh, bring, bring to you three zesty topics, as is our one. Uh, first off, and I'll, and I'll say this in John McLaughlin voice, Jason. <laughs> Issue one. The race is joined or the race has yet to be joined. <laughs> so the last several weeks have seen a uh, large influx of, of candidates for governor. And it's safe to say that there is on, uh, at least on the Democratic side, a fairly hardy first and second tier of candidates forming or have formed and at least uh, a couple of major candidates uh one announced one not so announced uh in the in the in the mix on the republican side on the democratic side um former attorney general and candidate for governor doug gansler announced his intention to run for governor joining comptroller peter francho uh, former Prince George's County executive and also former candidate for governor, uh, Rush Baker from Prince George's County, uh, looks to be getting into the race, uh, pretty much all but formally announced. Uh, they pretend to be soon to be joined by former DNC chair and Montgomery County Councilman and U.S. Department of Labor Secretary Tom Perez, who had been thought of as a potential 6th District uh, congressional candidate until David Trone announced his re-election. And then uh, we have some, we certainly have a, a second tier of candidates, uh, John King, the former U.S. Education Secretary, uh, Ashwani Jain, um, another uh, Wes Moore. And I know I am leaving out the name of a person who I know is running for governor, but I cannot remember that person's name, except Mike, that I know that they have announced. Mike Rosen, er, Rosenbaum, Rosenbaum. Yes. Yes, I wanted to say David Brent, but that was actually Ricky Gervais's character, <laughs> a version of The Office. So I knew that wasn't it. Uh, and then on the Republican side, um, state uh, former um, Department of Labor Secretary, delegate from Frederick County, and current Commerce Secretary Kelly Schultz has announced her intention to run. 
And there's a lot of speculation that former Lieutenant Governor Michael Steele is going to enter the race. Uh, Jason, uh, let's take the Democratic side first because they're just so damn interesting. Uh, what do you what do you make of the field so far? Well, I, I guess I'll first bang the drum on the fact that there are, are no women currently running in the Democratic field uh, for governor, uh, which seems like a, a massive hole <laughs> as far as the uh, as far as the field is concerned. Uh, you know, I, I know there's some speculation, obviously, that, uh, you know, particularly on the D side, uh, uh, that a, a number of the lieutenant, uh, you know, governor um the running mates will, will, will be women candidates, but it, it, it does appear to be a field that's calling out for someone like a, like an Angela also Brooks, for example, uh, that you know, has the, you know, the credentials to run uh, statewide. Um, so in that regard, the field feels incomplete, I guess is where I'm going with all of this. Um, I know it's, it's, it's rather full, <laughs> but it, it still feels as though that there's a, you know, there's some uh, voices from whom we haven't seen yet. I would agree, and I, and I appreciate your suggestion of Angela also, Brooks, because my question was going to be, well, what women do you got, Jason? <laughs> um, but I will also postulate this. Uh, what female candidates are there, um, you know, for at, at least to run for governor? The only one that springs to mind would be the retiring uh, Frederick County executive, Jan Gardner. Um, we as a state, you know, this has been talked about before, at least on this podcast, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not doing great things in terms of electing our democratic women. There has never been a female Democrat elected statewide, um, or, um, except for Kathleen Kennedy Townsend as Lieutenant governor on, on Glenn Denning's ticket. Uh, and there's never been a, a female Republican elected to a statewide office. So, you know, our, 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 the Democratic bench in terms of lifting female candidates up through the uh, legend, through uh, statewide office is, is absurdly thin. And when you get to um, lieutenant governor candidates, I think we have maybe not one, but two here in our very own county of Howard. We have uh, Delegate Courtney Watson, Senator Katie Hester, who are probably both going to be drawn into much more conservative districts in, in, in uh, District 9. Uh, Kathy Klausmeyer, the state senator from Baltimore County, um, you know, and there could be others, um, you know, but, but it's kind of sad when we think of possible, you know, female candidates who could lead the ticket and we come up with one. It is a sad commentary, although uh, one of them, a former uh, a woman who ran for governor, uh, running for office this time around in uh, the first congressional district, Heather Mazier, she was in the news a little bit recently as, uh, as Doug Gansler uh, endorsed uh, her candidacy. Uh, which I think is sort of an interesting move on Gansler's part and <laughs> perhaps a recalibration of where the Democratic Party is, or perhaps they had a, a closer friendship than I possibly thought uh, in, in terms of uh, bonding from the, their previous run. So given the current field and, and the candidates I enumerated, wh where, where do you think the, the, the strengths lie? If I, may, if I may dare a venture a guess, you seem less than fully enthused. Uh, that's positive. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say that's a good way of phrasing it. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, 
I, I will say, I think John King is interesting. I think that he's only, he's second tier because he's never sought elective office before. Uh, at least not, in, at least not in the state of Maryland, to the best of my knowledge. Uh, so I, I think he's got, he's got potential, uh, but I don't think there's, you know, there's a clear candidate, uh, you know, sort of of the left in the field. So in that regard, I, you know, I, I, I don't mind waiting to see, you know, how the, how the, uh, how the race shapes is up. How about you? Uh, well, so so I so I uh, I, I have to uh, announce my allegiance because I'm I'm a supporter of of controller Peter Francho for for governor. Um, known Peter for a very long time back from my young Democrat days when he was a a uh, delegate who I absolutely hated in Montgomery County uh, because in the early 90s he was against building the football and baseball stadiums in Baltimore City which now has the Orioles and the Ravens. Um, but uh, the, the last uh, 25, 30 years has certainly seen him lead quite a career. Um, I think, um, you know, and I, I think his, his campaign message is to kind of position himself as the everyman candidate, kind of a Maryland's Joe Biden candidate. Uh, you know, been there, done that, had the experience. Very interesting that when you watch uh, Gansler's campaign video, uh, he seems to be wanting to occupy that same space, too. And uh, Doug had a very successful eight-year run as attorney general. People forget that he was actually the attorney general for eight years. Um, had a decent shot at the gubernatorial nomination in, in 2014. Had a very stupid incident where... Uh, he went to, as he says, retrieve one of his kids from a party on the beach. So, you know, there's a picture of the Attorney General of Maryland and a party full of underage drinkers. Uh, was not a good look. Didn't really look like he was mature enough to to uh, be uh, the governor and wound up losing in the primary in the Anthony Brown race in, in 2014. Will Solo uh, Puppy endorsing him in, in, this, in this election? What's that? Will, will the company that makes solo cups be endorsing Gansler in this election cycle? You know, you know what I just saw is reusable solo cups, really? aluminum solo cups. And I do apologize because a, uh, a, a plane was flying right overhead. Uh, you know, flyways in the BWI over Columbia are a thing out here, you know. Um, but uh, so, so, you know, what, what, what is very interesting is is that uh, is that some of the uh, or at least one major advisor to Gansler was also one of the main political people behind Peter Francho's office, and then this person recently left Francho's employment in the fall and is now working for Mr. Gansler. Um, Rush Baker um, seemed to have been the neck and neck contender with Kevin Kamenetz with. Uh, ben Jealous running third in the 2018 race before Kamenetz passed away. And um, Jealous's strength was obviously stronger than the polls were letting on uh, because Baker seemed to have been the, the leading candidate going into the primary. So I think he's going to be a formidable candidate. Also, I hate to say it, I think he's going to be the block to an also Brooks running, although she shouldn't be. Um, meanwhile, also of note, uh, Congressman Anthony Brown, the 2014 nominee, 
and Ben Jealous, the 2018 nominee, uh, have mentioned that they will not be seeking the, the uh, gubernatorial nomination. Tom Perez is a wild card. Um, outside of his home district and his home county in Montgomery, I'm not sure what statewide bridges he's been building. I'm not sure there's that uh, enthusiasm that's out there. Uh, and I'm thinking especially in the areas where a candidate's going to have to do well, to not just win the primary, but win the general. Howard County, Anne Arundel County, Baltimore County, um, you know, to say nothing of the more liberal big three of Baltimore City, Montgomery, and Prince George's County. Um, I don't see how Perez is going to pull it up. And, and I, I appreciate what you say about John King. He seems, he seems to be a very interesting candidate. Um, unless there are several major gaffes, I, I'm not sure that I see any of those second-tier candidates catching fire. But we have a long way to go. We so, have a year. So not on the Jane train. The Jane train? <laughs> trademark. <laughs> trademark. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> oh, the Jane train. Hmm? You know, well, I, I want to have him on the podcast. He needs he needs to come. You need to, uh, well, we, you know, these these candidates will have to start to be invited. Mm-hmm. Want to see who shows themselves? Peter <laughs> Franco, incidentally, former guest on this podcast. Yep, exactly. What make you of the let's switch switching sides, as it were? Mm-hmm. What make you of the Kelly Schultz v. Michael Steele? Um, potential combat on the Republican side. I, I, I find it fairly, I, I guess I'll lead off because I, I'll find it fairly interesting. So Steele was the lieutenant governor under Bob Ehrlich. Um, at the time, uh, the, the Bob Ehrlich and his ilk were seen as the gold standard of uh, Republican governors and also uh, in, the st- in the country. Uh, back when there were only like 20 Republican governors. Now I think there's 31. Um, and also was seen as fairly conservative. Uh, but that was all before Trump and and before Hogan. And so now we have Kelly Schultz, who, you know, cuts an image and projects an image that fits into this uh, Christy Noem, Sarah Palin type of conservative. Um, you know, working mom who, you know, can, uh, you know, can be the, uh, you know, the uh, pit bull with lipstick, uh, to turn a phrase. And, um, you know, not for nothing. I mean, she has a fair amount of executive experience. Um, but my question about her candidacy is what side of the party is she is she tacking towards? Is she tacking towards the Hogan side? Or is she tacking towards the Trump side? Um, because that's kind of how I see the Republican Party in the state of Maryland. You're either a Hogan Republican or you're a Trump Republican. Um, you know, and, and to be quite honest, uh, I think Hogan, although he still enjoys very high favorability ratings in this state, I think a lot of that favorability is amongst Democrats and independents. And if anything, maybe waning with Republicans, at least if I follow if I follow social media correctly and listen to all the uh, comments that are blasting the hell out of Hogan for making our kids wear masks 
in schools, which seems to be a cause celeb amongst Republican members of the General Assembly. Yeah, it's, you know, I do think that uh, that Schultz is straddling of the, the wings of the party. Uh, I mean, I think it's, it makes some political sense. Uh, you know, why not try to have it both ways uh, if, if you can, particularly as it might crowd out anyone else. Now, granted, I mean, at least she's, you know, trying to, you know, have a presence in both camps, whereas, whereas Michael Steele is doing his own thing. <laughs> and, I, I, you know, I, the only reason I see Michael Steele being, you know, being uh, noteworthy next year is if he decides to run as an independent. I just don't see Michael Steele doing well in, in today's Maryland Republican Party. I mean, it really feels like it would be like a, you know, um, you know, not necessarily a two to one drubbing, but uh, but uh, that Schultz would fairly readily defeat Steele, despite the fact Steele is a decent campaigner, got a good presence. But I, I just don't think the Republican Party that he knew when he was first elected lieutenant governor is still here anymore. It would be an, an ignominious end, would it not? I mean, <laughs> worse so than his, his senatorial candidacy against Ben Cardin when Cardin was first elected. Um, and and I, I guess I would have to give it a coin flip as to whether or not he even enters the race. And, uh, you know, what do we know? We know that Barry Glassman, the Harford County executive, is not running for governor. Lieutenant Governor Rutherford's not running for governor. Uh, Andy Harris is not running for governor. So the field would open up and, and Republicans are known for their party discipline, so to speak. So I, I would have to wonder if, if Schultz just doesn't wind up having a walkthrough. Well, and, and that's into, and, and, and of course, we, we haven't uh, referenced our favorite perennial candidate uh, <laughs> running for governor this time around. Uh, but, um, oh, I was just talking about, uh, well, I, I, I keep saying Fiker, but. Fiker! Uh, oh, <laughs> I will Robin say Fiker that I died. Governor, oh my God, we went 12 minutes in, into this podcast or so, and we haven't even mentioned Robin Ficker. That's why I have to post this on Barry O'Connell's group later. <laughs> Mention Robin Ficker. He of the uh, Washington Bullets uh, heckling and the uh, two cent sales tax cut. Mm-hmm. Taking a lot of uh, pictures with folks in Ocean City last I saw, but. Uh... You know, as far as how that translates into a uh, in, in, into a percentage of the of the electorate, uh, yeah, I, I you know, it just feels as though that uh, that 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 Schultz is just, you know head and shoulders over the other options, which again has me concerned that we don't have the, the necessarily the best candidate to face off against her in a general election. Uh, I mean, as as unrealistic as it may seem, I mean that there's what would you, what do you think? There's maybe what a, at least a one in three chance. That uh, that uh, you know a two-term Hogan administration is succeeded by a Schultz administration, so it, th- that can be a little bit unnerving because I don't think we, I don't think we've seen the ideal candidate uh, emerge yet. Now maybe now maybe the field evolves as it is, and we'll see someone who, you know, who demonstrates with a degree of confidence that uh, you know they they can <laughs> that they can run statewide. Um, but I, I'd be really curious to see how that shapes up. Well, and, and, and I would probably take your one and three. I mean, that definitely isn't at least. I would actually give it a between 40 to 45% chance. Uh, depending, you know, I mean, Hogan has not had much in the way of coattails. 
um, you know, witnessed the 2018 election and the failure of Republicans to um, stop a veto-proof uh, state Senate. Um, but he does have state redistricting on his side, which will throw more conservative votes into what had been Democratic districts. And I think if he has any coattails, especially as he moves a run for president, it kind of has to be to get his own uh, successor, who he favors, uh, elected governor behind him. I mean, not that uh, this presidential campaign wasn't uh, problematic from the start in 2016, but you know, when when former Governor O'Malley ran for president in 2016, I remember a very early criticism was, "Oh yeah." And he didn't even get his handpicked successor elected behind him when he when when he stepped down. How good of a governor was he? So, I mean, I would expect that whatever's left of Hogan's political influence, his capital is going to get burned on 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 Kelly Schultz. Yeah, yeah that sounds about right, actually. <laughs> so issue two. They only look like they're waiting for 2026. <laughs> so, um, you know, Jason mentioned before, uh, Angelo also Brooks, one of the extremely promising crop of freshman county executives uh, in, um, in who got elected in the state of Maryland in 2018. Amongst those, uh, Anne Arundel County Executive Stuart Pittman, who I believe, and this is an update since the pre-show, Jason, uh, has said he's running for re-election. Right. Uh, but also notably, um, John Olszewski in Baltimore County, and this week our very own Calvin Ball in Howard County announced that they too are running for re-election. So it looks like, unless some sudden change of heart by also Brooks, all of the freshmen are all of the freshmen uh, county executives are staying put. Um, you know, focusing uh, pretty much on on the uh, Ball and Olszewski races. Um, are are they making the right move? And 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 what are their chances as they as they uh, seek a second term in their respective counties? Well, as we all know, uh, Calvin Ball is definitely facing a significant challenge from a Mr. Slowgrowth Dunbar who clearly will defeat him by a 90 to 10. No. Did I mean, he you know, change, legally change his name to Slow Growth Dunbar? <laughs> that'd be awesome. American Joe Metaszewski and become Slow Growth Dunbar? Did he do a world be free and become <laughs> Slow Growth Dunbar? I want to know. Well, how much did uh, did uh, did Chuck Finley try to bribe uh, Vida Blue to change his first name to True? Was that like a thousand bucks? I didn't know that happened. <laughs> he had Vita on the back of his jersey. <laughs> Which is awesome. Like an eight-year-old who <laughs> in their last year of T-ball. <laughs> oh, God. But um, I, I'll, I'll do Calvin first because, you know, I've seen some ridiculous conversations about uh, this on social media. Uh, I think it was the, uh, what, the, 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 the better Howard something or other group uh, that... Uh, decided to chime in that, uh, or it might have been a repost from the Howard County Republicans because those groups seem to cross-pollinate quite a bit. Um, there was a, it was like, oh, obviously, you know, Ball blew his chance of being Franchot's running mate. So as if this is some sort of consolation prize getting to run for re-election. 
So it, it was a ridiculous statement. It was fairly typical of what you see in that group. Um, Johnny O's, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't really heard as much uh, from Baltimore County regarding, uh, regarding the announcement. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to pass that back to you for, for your take on the, the, initial, uh, the initial feedback. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take all three of them. Uh, I think as, <laughs> as far as who has the hardest road to toe, uh, in terms of getting reelected uh, between Pittman and Olszewski and Ball. I think it's clearly Pittman. Pittman, yeah. Um, you know, it was an upset win over Steve Shue, who many people had already had penciled in as, you know, the gubernatorial nominee this time around for the Republican Party. And, um, you know, he has done a lot to, um, you know, he, he, is, uh, he has pulled Anne Arundel County to the left. Um, is it too far left? For um, you know, say uh, South County, or the harder core blue collar folks in North County who did reelect a Democratic council member, but you know these are also um, you know the working class white people who support Trump. Um, you know, time will tell. Um, but uh, I have not seen a, uh, a, an extremely strong candidate. Uh, come up against him. And I should say, when I say an extremely strong candidate, uh, yes, I'm looking at this with my blue glasses, Jason. I I'm looking at a more moderate type of candidate. And if Hogan is a moderate, which I really don't think he is, I'm looking for that type of person to run for Anne Arundel County Executive. Anne Arundel County has one of the craziest Republican parties in the state of Maryland. <laughs> Um, you know, Howard and Cecil and Harford and Carroll, you know, are all right up there. But uh, Anne Arundel County, I mean, you know, these, these are, you know, another group that gives away guns on, you know, assault, assault weapon, you know, assault rifle raffles and this sort of nonsense. And I have several good friends, you know, including one very close friend of mine who, who are Anne Arundel County Republicans. And even, you know, a good friend who ran a, for county council as a Republican in Anne Arundel County. And, and I know that that doesn't necessarily define those individuals, but as a group, the, you know, they are what their record says they are. So, you know, I have to imagine that the, the fate of Mr. Pittman will probably very closely, um, you know, mirror what the fate is of, of the national electorate in, in 22. Uh, turning to Olszewski, um, I, I think he has a, you know, um, having cut his political teeth uh, in Dundalk and uh, in the east side of uh, Baltimore County, um, I think he, gives, he gets a considerable advantage. Um, I don't really see anything derailing his uh, currency in terms of running for re-election. Um, you know, a lot of the speculation about him running for governor was predicated on the fact that he might not think that he would win re-election. I never really was of that belief, but, you know, whether, um, you know, um, you know, if, if there is a Republican administration in 22, I think he shoots right to the front of, of candidates to be the Democratic nominee in 26. And then that brings us to Calvin Ball, the Howard County executive. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that if there is a primary challenger to Mr. Ball, uh, to Calvin, I, I think it's to the left. 
I, I certainly don't think it's to the right. So I think, uh, you know, slow growth uh, could probably just take a seat. Um, you know, um, there was a time in which I thought one of the two um, county council members um, who are not of the 3-2 voting majority uh, in, in many decisions in Howard County politics, uh, those being Deb Jung in the 4th District or Liz Walsh in the 1st District, there was a time I thought one of the two of them would be running in the primary. I don't think that now. I don't see that. Um, you know, there might be somebody who files to run, but I don't see that being a serious candidate. And then, of course, yes, slow growth is already out there making his uh, name known. And then in the general election, I, I know there's a gentleman who was a former Hogan appointee. I believe he's a uh, Korean American or Chinese American gentleman. Um, and I, I, I hate to say it, but I am blanking on his name now. So forgive me out there in, in re listener and viewer land, although I know you won't. Um, is, uh, is it? It's Jimmy, isn't it? What is it? I knew it was Jimmy, but I cannot remember his last name. And I did not want to say Mr. Jimmy, because that sounds... <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm having the same moment. Uh, I, I was thinking Re, but I, that, that could be wrong. It, I, it might be Re. But he, he, was, he was a Hogan appointee. He was in the cabinet. Um, and, and he's I, apparently planning on running. There's some guy who is a, not just a potential candidate, but a, uh, a, a, not only a perennial candidate, but a perennial withdrawer from office named Darren Villas, who I guess is, is running on the Republican side. I guess he filed on the Republican side. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't see there to be a serious candidate. And, and even though the Howard County Republican Party is crazier than a box of wet cats, um, I also you know they're, they're also not stupid. And if their prize is to get the governor's seat back, they will work to depress turnout in certain Democratic voting counties. And I have a feeling that that might be what they do in Howard County, not run a serious uh, Democrat, Republican candidate for county executive. You know, this has been done before when they ran uh, Steve Adler uh, for against Ken Ullman for Ken Ullman's reelection when there was no shortage of, of notable Republicans, current and, and past office holders who could have run, or people who would wind up holding office in the Republican Party who could have run against Ken Ullman but didn't. Um, but that was an effort to try to, to, try to uh, keep Martin O'Malley uh, from getting elected governor. So, so uh, I kind of see that as, as unfolding the same way here. Uh, I, I think Ball wins re-election, uh, which is with, and I say that with much greater certainty than I than I than I thought a year ago. Oh, and I did want to add the the, the caveat. I, I want to say I, I, I recently read that uh, Jimmy Ree, who we were referring to earlier, who is the Maryland Special Secretary of Small Minority and Women Business Affairs, uh, in the Hogan administration. Uh, I believe it, he was recently appointed to uh, was the Economic Development Authority in Howard County. Yeah, which, uh, which I think should effectively sideline him. I, I'm assuming uh, from uh, seeking elective office. 
Well, then there are other Republican candidates who can run for office, right? Um, and, and Republican office holders. I mean, there's a former council member from District 5, Greg Fox. Uh, I have mentioned before the former Board of Education candidate, Suzanne Palmer, who, at least as of my last knowing, was not a registered Republican. Um, there is someone who I am not going to name, who I know you know who I'm talking about, who is a former county council candidate from District 4, um, you know, who, who, as we had posited on an earlier edition of this very podcast, uh, could be attempting to increase her profile so that she becomes the uh, Howard, County, uh, Howard County version of Kim Klasik. And I emphasize the first name for a reason. Um, you know, there there are people, and oh my goodness, if it's that last person, oh, Katie, bar the door. <laughs> it, it won't be boring. <laughs> that I'll start, is. I'll start. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna reemphasize. I mean, uh, that's for sure. Uh, that that person was actually in the news this week, but uh, um, you know that was not covered by uh, many other uh, by many other uh, local news outlets. Although I do credit, since I know they watch and listen, the Scotty blog for uh, giving me the heads up as to uh, the uh, the future, as to the next steps of that uh, First Amendment case in which that individual was involved and. The outcome, incidentally, Jason, I know I'm diverging a little bit, but uh, a, a written opinion shall be issued. And that, what's that expected? What, in the next, what, three, four weeks, something like that? Something like that in the, in the not too distant future. Mm -hmm. it, it'll be fun to see if the First Amendment still exists in Howard County. I think it does. <laughs> I think it does. I do not think we have become that, uh, that country in duck soup of Bulgaria. <laughs> who, who knows duck soup who knows the marx brothers was who that the marx brothers there were there were five <laughs> was that the one where, where uh groucho played rufus t firefly uh the uh the hitler clone i think so okay yep yep okay <laughs> so Her jokes still hold up i actually watched a clip uh the other day when, when he when he called for help and they, they cut to all this stock footage of, uh, you know, Calvaries and animals stampeding across the, the plains. That never gets old. And never then Mel old. Brooks used that crap 40 years later in Blazing Saddle. <laughs> it was amazing. <sighs> Issue three, Jason. Shut up already. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear behind me, but uh, cicadas have been measured in Howard County by this correspondent at a sound of up to 95 decibels, which is equivalent to a loud conversation or when Bill forgets how to use his microphone on the podcast. Um, Jason, what, what have been your uh, greatest cicada memories as we reach what looks like to be the halfway point of visitation slash infestation by Brood X 2021 edition? Yeah, it does appear that we're at peak uh, cicada right now. 
it, it, it's it, it's fucking disgusting for those of you unaware. Um, I actually have a, a colleague of mine. Language. What? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I got a colleague of mine. Uh, who actually uh, lives uh, not that far away, but is has reported. Uh, well, I don't want to disclose, you know, where she resides, but uh, you know, th there's a significant body of water nearby. Apparently, that's doing a very good job of uh, lessening the uh, the uh, infestation. But uh, yeah, the, the the noise it, it definitely permeates through walls. I can report that. Uh, I'm I'm glad they sort of start up, uh, you know, after the sun rises, which is nice. But, uh, I, you know, I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't embraced cicada fever like some folks have. I haven't tried eating one. Uh, so, by, so by the shake of your head, I'm, I'm assuming that means you would not eat a cicada if offered. Uh, no, I would not eat a cicada if offered. I do have a very close friend who on Facebook, uh, um, uh, he, uh, he, he uh, commemorated his and and memorialized his digging up of cicadas uh soaking them in vinegar for six hours uh breading them and frying them and then eating them with a with a chipotle sauce of his own creation and uh he did report that they were quite tasty uh peanutty i believe was the report hmm. and then uh, earlier today a uh a an uh, individual of an animal nature of your acquaintance uh mr crush woodcock was uh observed in this very domicile eating a cicada uh, <laughs> eating it alive and it did not go down in one bite um it was it was kind of jurassic park looking to be quite honest <laughs> and kind of turned my stomach so um no I, I i don't see any uh cicada eating in my future and uh, and i have to admit i think it's i'm happy that it's not in yours either <laughs> well i I'm, I'm glad to hear there was a, a a real real back to nature sort of moment uh in the woodcock household <laughs> well it was because crush doesn't catch a, a damn thing else <laughs> yesterday he caught and ate two flies and I guess today when I was outside reading, I guess I brought home, I brought in a hitchhiker and it fell off on the carpet and he pounced and the rest is history. I have to say, having been here 17 years ago, uh, this seems to be a lot more. It seems to be louder. I mean, maybe it's just, you know, it's not like the good old day, Sonny sort of behavior going on, but this really seems to be a lot more intense. I don't know why it was very nice those two days over Memorial day weekend when it was in the fifties, we didn't hear them, oh, but yeah. yesterday and today when it was 95, Oh Lordy. And then to, uh, on Monday, it's supposed to be that hot again. And apparently by late July, this is all supposed to be gone, but also 17 years ago, I have to say, I do remember this extending into August. So I think we'll just have to see. As of last week, I still saw them crawling out of the dirt. But, but like, originally, the original cicadas that came up earlier this, this spring were like Don Knotts cicadas. They were scrawny. They would walk <laughs> across the deck and fall over, and then they couldn't get up. They would always drop the gun when they were trying to hold it. <laughs> yeah, they needed some sort of assistance. Now, now these little suckers that are coming out are like the friggin' Hulk. 
they're like friggin', you know, the the mountain from from Game of Thrones and <laughs> coming out of here. And I don't even see watch Game of Thrones, but these things are friggin' looking like you know they've got like you know the Bullworker, you know that thing from the seventies infomercials going. I mean, they're they're beefy, and and I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, my God, if they're you know, they're they're formidable. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of ready for them to be done. Thank God they don't carry a virus. <laughs> oh, at least not that we know of. <laughs> but, but, but you're, so you're, in other words, you're reporting, and I think this is the first to report it, you're seeing alien from predator-sized cicadas in Columbia, Maryland. Um, you know what? We can go with that and, <laughs> and, and see how many, how much view rate that gets. Uh, click through, click through. It's all about the click throughs. But, uh, you know, I, I'm just going to say beefier cicadas, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little bit larger in girth, you know, um, you know, using cigars as a, uh, frame of reference, um, less, not so much the cigarillo, but much, but much, much more a, a, a Corona. Okay. Uh, so are we talking early 90s bonds or late 90s berry bonds? Uh, oh, we're definitely talking late 90s. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. That is a perfect analogy. I mean, the head size is bigger. I mean, you know, it, it is very much a berry bonds type of experience here. <laughs> and then plus these, these new ones seem to be just meaner. I mean, they make noises. You you try to pick them up and move them, and they go at you instead of do their sound like they're hearing. Like they get pissed. You you poke them with your finger, and as they're walking up your arm, and they go. I I don't understand what that is, but I think it's telling you that it's mad at you. I don't care. I just flick it off. I guess I guess well I guess they have plans, and we're somehow interrupting them. Well, don't crawl up my damn arm. I don't want you up my arm, Cicada. I don't care what you do. I don't want Cicadas up my arm, Jason. <laughs> America, damn it. And I I'm got an America. idea for a new t-shirt coming straight don't from... Cicadas up my arm, Jason. <laughs> well, on a, on, a, on a much more serious note, <laughs> we, we have had, we have had a... a, a you know, a fun podcast tonight, but I, I do, uh, we do have a fourth topic, which was unadvertised to you, the listener and or viewer. And so I would like to turn the floor over to my intrepid co-host for, for, for an announcement. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep this very brief, um, other than to say that um, those people who know me, know me well, uh, are probably aware that I've, I've been dealing with uh, issues related to anxiety and depression for a, a fairly long time. Uh, and, and I have to say, unfortunately, that uh, things have gotten, uh, you know, uh, worse in their own, in their own special sort of way. And, uh, <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, I, I'm just trying to pull my thoughts together. Um, it's, it's leading to a lot of uh, fatigue and I, I, even my speech patterns, my, my, my thoughts tend to be a little bit, uh, you know, disconnected more than I would like them to be. So, uh, so, so something is clearly going on. So uh, reflecting upon what, uh, you know, uh, Naomi Osaka did uh, courageously, uh, and decide to focus more on her mental health. Uh, I'm going to try to do the same. 
which of course has ramifications as far as uh, you know work and non-work life and including the podcast. Uh, so I'm going to be taking a little hiatus uh, from the podcast as I sort of you know figure out <laughs> you know what uh, what what works best for me as far as uh, uh, getting my head back together uh, in a way that uh, you know makes things a bit more uh, manageable <laughs> where I don't feel continuously. Uh, exhausted and feeling an array of emotions all at once. Uh, so with that, uh, I'll be taking a break, but I, I will be back and hopefully very, very soon. So first off, thank you, brother. Um, that was very well put. And most of all, I appreciate your honesty and your willingness to share your vulnerability with us. That is awesome. And um you know, I, I think it's a terrific thing in this day and age when when somebody can admit in a public forum that, you know, I I, I need to do some time for me. And, and that's cool. Um, you know, of course, the, the seat is here for you. Um, you know, we you know, I, but you're I, not going to be hiring Artie Lang next week. Hashtag <laughs> 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 joke man. Hey, what's um, going on? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, three people. No, not even three people got that. Right? <laughs> but, um, but uh, you know, of course, the, the seat is here for you. Um, you know, may may bring in some uh, some uh, Jesse Orozco types to uh, throw to some left-handed batters. Um, you know, in the meantime, and and. And there will be new content on Thursday, folks, and it will be a solo show. So I'm sure there's about 50 people out there who just went, oh, fuck. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm very proud of the thing that we do. Um, you know, we don't do this podcast to promote a business, to promote a company. Uh, we don't get any money. You know, we don't get a space, you know, that's given to us from some entity. Uh, you know, to do a show, you know, everything we do is on our own sweat and it's because we feel like we're two pretty smart guys who know a lot about politics and civic life and community affairs. And we want to bring you how we see things. And, um, you know, if, if, um, you know, we can't do our level best effort, um, and we can do something that we think you would be interested in, in watching or listening to, we're not going to do that. So, um, you know, I thank you. Uh, you know, um, uh, I looked up earlier today, we've done about 70 shows together, which are awesome. Wow. Uh, but you absolutely do have to come back. Uh, and I know you will, oh, yeah. uh, because I have already put plans in place for our two year anniversary of doing this thing together come september oh, that's uh, right. yep. what is that you might wonder i'm not gonna tell you <laughs> uh, it's something we you and i have talked about plus some i'll just okay. leave that all right so, uh so uh that's going on and godspeed we of course i know you're you're a bud we will be in touch right. and um you know we'll we'll have fun talking about all this nonsense um, off camera for a while. That sounds that sounds like a blast. Definitely, absolutely, Bill. All right. Well, everybody, uh, we are now at the top of the hour, seven o'clock. We now see, as you saw my face, you can see the last golden rays of the sun 
start to decline in the western sky from Howard County. And it's time for me to go vote somebody off the island. So, uh, for Jason Boone, my name is Bill Woodcock, and you have been watching and or listening. You should do both, really, uh, to another episode of Forward, Maryland. I'll be back at you on Thursday, kids. Until then, take care. Have a great night.